0: Draymond Green, suspended indefinitely. Travis Kelsey, not happy for a change. And former athletes talking a whole lot of shit. The Stephen A. Smith Show coming your way right now. What's up everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show coming at you at the very least three times a week over the digital airwaves of YouTube. I'm here on the road in a studio thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, the official studio sponsor of the Stephen A. Smith Show. Let me take a moment to once again show my love and appreciation to all of my followers out there. We continue to climb and excel and ascend. We've now exceeded over four hundred and twenty-nine thousand followers in the first eight months can't thank y'all enough for the love that you keep bringing me keep it coming and i'm going to keep on coming just make sure to like and follow the Stephen a smith show right here on youtube just click the bell to get notified of all of our new content and bam there it will be while you're at doing while you're doing that please don't forget to pick up a copy of my New York Times bestselling book, Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances and first takes. Go to straightshooterbook.com to get yourself a copy because it makes for the perfect Christmas gift. Trust me, I can tell you that. Usually I'm taking calls at the end of the show at 888-727-5303, that's 888-SAS-5303. I'm usually taking the call when I'm in my home studios, but I'm on the road in LA handling business at this time. So because of that, Uh, For this particular show, I'm just going to take your text messages and I can't wait to show you one of the tweets rather. Uh, That was put out there uh, about me. So I'm going to address that along with various other things that I'm going to address before the show is over today. And of course, Colby Covington, Mr. Chaos himself, vying for the welterweight championship of the world, scheduled to go up against Mr. Edwards himself, Leon Edwards, uh, the reigning welterweight champion who beat Usman, Kamaru Usman, not once, but twice. Uh, He's set to defend his title against against Colby Chaos Covington. I had the pleasure of talking with Mr. Chaos himself, so I'm looking forward to y'all seeing that interview, all you UFC and MMA fans out there and beyond, uh, the brother definitely can talk some smack. And he certainly is not going to be apologetic about that today. Let's get to the news. Um, and by the way, just as an aside, I'm wearing this jacket and because it's freezing in this damn studio. It's freezing because it's hot. It's nice outside in L.A but it's freezing cause the AC is on and obviously I needed to keep warm. So I kept my suit on. That's the only reason I'm leaving from y'all and I got to go tape episodes of General Hospital because Port Charles has summoned Brick to the house. Port Charles has summoned Brick. So I just wanted to let y'all know that. Let me get to some serious issues though. And one of them would be uh, the suspension of Draymond Green. It was no surprise that after he turned around and threw a windmill slap or hit in the face of Yusuf Nurkic of the Phoenix Suns that he was going to be suspended. We all knew that. We all knew that Draymond Green uh, was going to be suspended for a sixth time for his career. It's also his fourth suspension in the last nine months, I might add. Um, Remember, he got suspended for stomping on the chest of the Sabonis to Sacramento during the playoffs. Uh, Remember that he got suspended for choking Rudy Gobert. Remember that now he's got a suspension because of what just transpired with Nurkic, okay? Um, And I'm just looking at some of the things right here. Uh, Remember, uh, in March of 2023, one game suspension by the NBA recorded his 16th technical foul of the season. So that's why it's four suspensions over the last nine months. I knew he was going to get suspended. That was not a surprise. What took me aback was the word indefinite. Because you see, when it's indefinite, there's no definitive number of games that you're out. You're out until you're deemed better and suitable to return to work. That is not left at the discretion of the team that you play for, the owner that you play for. It's left to the discretion of the league, mainly that of Commissioner Adam Silver, an executive VP and head of basketball operations for the NBA, Mr. Joe Dumas. Those are the two, along with the people they consult with that ultimately make this decision about when Draymond Green will be suitable to return to the basketball court. In the meantime, for every game that he misses, if it comes to less than 20 games, it will cost him an average of nearly $154,000 per game. If it's 20 games or more, it will cost him an average of approximately Two hundred and three thousand, near two hundred and three thousand per game. So let's take that into consideration, and take into consideration the fact that he's already lost in fines, having been fined or forfeited in salary seven hundred and ninety thousand dollars this season alone. Now this is a man that wanted his money. This is a man that forfeited money. This is a man that ultimately got an additional four-year, one hundred million dollar contract, and evidently it's Christmas time, so he decided to give away some money because that's what the hell he's been doing. Easily costing himself over a million dollars, potentially as much as five to $8 million more. Money you'll never get back. Money you'll never get back. But before I go into my thoughts about it, I was talking to on my day job, first take on ESPN, airing every weekday morning from 10 a.m. to 12 noon over the airwaves of ESPN, the number one sports morning show in America. I was on the show this morning with my man, Brian Windhorst, and Kendrick Perkins. Both of them had a lot to say about this. These are just some clips, some excerpts of what they had to say. Listen to this. What the Players Association is saying to him is that, Hey, Draymond, we are here and we actually care about you. We're going to put the ball in your court. We're going to allow you to to help determine how long you're away from the game of basketball. Meaning, how, how are you going to cooperate? Are you going to hold yourself accountable?
1: The Warriors are no longer the arbiters of trying to control Draymond because it hasn't worked. Their efforts, their words, their actions, their conversations, it has not worked. That's number one. Number two, as is very clear, Draymond is out of defenders. Even as recently as that go bear situation, you had Steve Kirk come out after the game and defend him. Now, he thought better of it after he saw the tape a little bit more and thought about it. But even Steve Kerr was defending him. There's not a soul in Golden State or in the
0: NBA who's defending him now. They weren't the only ones that had something to say. Um, I was blessed and fortunate enough to reach out to the NBA League office, Adam Silver directly. And, of course, Joe Dumas, again, the executive VP and head of basketball operations for the National Basketball Association, who elected to come on and talk with me. And here's what he had to say about Draymond Green and the latest transgression that has cost him millions of dollars in the end, in all likelihood, and obviously more than a few games, and maybe even the Golden State Warriors this season. Listen to what Joe Dumas had to say about Draymond Green and why the suspension came down. It was about Draymond getting better and and what we can do together, What what we can agree on together, what's best for Draymond at this time, what's best for the Golden State Warriors, what's best for the league office, is for him to get better with, with, with it being indefinite, Steven, and Andre was on board with that. So He's been exceptional in, in, in helping us craft this. Here's the deal, y'all. <clears throat> Before we sit up there and we go off about Draymond Green, let's understand that there's a whole bunch of people out there in the world, in the world that are tired of his ass. I'm not one of those people. I love Draymond Green. Um, I find him to be a brilliant brother. He's a basketball savant, very knowledgeable about the game of basketball, high-end competitor, four-time champion, yes, future Hall of Famer. Whether y'all want to admit it or not, if Dennis Rodman could be a Hall of Famer, so can Draymond Green. Not saying that Draymond Green was better than Dennis Rodman, but damn it, offense wasn't a part of Dennis robbins Hall of Fame repertoire. And don't tell me he's not better than Draymond Gr- than 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 uh Dennis Rodman. So that's why Draymond Green doesn't deserve to be a Hall of Famer. Who's better than Jordan? They ain't the a Hall of Fame. Who's better than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? They are in the Hall of Fame. Who's got eleven championships like Bill Russell? He's in the Hall, They're in the Hall of Fame. What about the great shooters that have ever played this game? What about champions that are in the Hall of Fame but never won a champ- But you got guys in the Hall of Fame that never won championships. How about Ewing, as in Patrick Ewing? How about Carl Malone? How about John Stockton? A, how about Reggie Miller? How about how about guys like that? These are guys that were great. They were phenomenal. How about Charles Barkley? They're a great, phenomenal players throughout nba history that never captured a championship so it ain't all about oh my goodness you can point to somebody being better than this person and that's why they in the hall of famer you're not there can be room for others dennis Rodman, in my opinion was a better defender and a better rebounder than draymond green but it doesn't mean that Draymond draymond green is not a hall of famer so let's get that out the way but i digress the issue in question is the word indefinite. Why would it be an indefinite stigma attached to Draymond Green? Because he's received more objections in his career than Rashid Wallace, who's number one all time. That would be a reason why. Why should people be completely disgusted and perturbed at him? Because he's already cost the Golden State Warriors a championship, which he openly admits when he got suspended in 2016 after the league granted LeBron James that stimulus package because he threw uh, Draymond Green to the floor. And Draymond Green kicked up and flailed his arms or whatever the case may be. And they blamed Draymond Green, gave him a technical retroactively and suspended him for game five when they had beaten Cleveland in Cleveland for game four, went back to the Oracle for game five, up 3-1, would have closed LeBron out. But they suspended Draymond Green and Andre Andrew Bogut and Andre Iguodala both got hurt thereafter and Cleveland came back and made history overcoming the 3-1 deficit in the NBA Finals. But again, I digress. Instead, what I will point to is this. There is no absolving Draymond Green from these transgressions. He's clearly lost control. He clearly has things in his life going on that is bothering him. We don't know what, the, what it is, and quite frankly, even if we did, I wouldn't tell you. I love Draymond Green. I know him from a media perspective. I know him better than most. I speak to him more than most people do. I not only respect him, I love him. He's a good brother. He's got some issues. He's got some problems, none of which are any of our business, but they clearly need to have a resolution. And here's when I knew that Draymond Green was toast. When Yusuf Nurkic came out in the press conference and said, quote, I don't know what's wrong with that brother. When he said that, I said, oh, damn. Because now you got contemporaries saying to the league, the brother's a problem. I don't feel safe with him. That's what happens. And then the icing on the cake albeit not intentionally. I'm not accusing Kevin Durant of doing anything wrong here. He did nothing wrong. He simply answered answered the question from his heart to the media. He said he was happy that Nurkic was okay. He said that Draymond Green wasn't like this when I was his teammate, when they went to three straight finals together and they won back-to-back titles together. He said, that ain't the Draymond Green I know. I'm paraphrasing. And he said, quote, I hope that ultimately he gets the help he needs. When you hear words like that, the floodgates are going to open. Because now it's official. It's a problem. It's not just about you reacting, knocking out Jordan Poole, stepping on the chest of Demontis Sabonis, headlocking, and putting Rudy Gobert in a choco, even though he could have won an Oscar for that damn acting performance he put on because he didn't do anything to grab at Draymond's arms. He just put his arms up and stuff like that. Cat Williams, you know, call Anthony Towns, rather, and others doing absolutely nothing to get Draymond's arms from around Rudy Gobert's neck is a different subject for another day. But in the end, when Kevin Durant and Yusuf Nurkic both say, in Nurkic's case, I don't know what's wrong with that brother and then joked, I'm just glad he didn't choke me. And then for Kevin Durant to follow up by saying. I hope he gets the help he needs. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And I said it before on television. I'm going to say it to you again. His career is in jeopardy. How many chances you think Draymond Green is going to get? I hope he's watching because I'm rooting for the brother and I'm not wishing this for him. But people need to understand that I'm not I'm not selling out. I'm looking at. I'm trying to tip you off. To making sure that you maneuver through the minefield so you don't lose your paper, you don't lose your bag, you don't lose the opportunities that ultimately are coming down the pipe. We're not thinking about the big picture enough with Draymond. We got fans out there who are disgusted. Obviously, some jealous because they know they'll never make $178 million in their lifetime. And that's what Draymond Green already reportedly has made throughout his career. They'll look at that and they'll say the hell with him. For all that money he's making, if he don't know how to if he don't know how to behave, to hell with him. That's what they'll say. But it's not as simple as that. When you got issues going on in your life, on a personal level, whatever those issues may be, and you have a difficult time leaving it at home because you walk to work agitated and the slightest thing could set you off, it is problematic, which is why I appreciated Joe Dumas saying, let's get him the help he needs. Let's make sure he's going to be okay. I appreciate Kevin Durant saying what he said. I'm quite sure at some point in time we're going to hear from Steph Curry. We're going to hear from Steve Kerr. I have no doubt that behind the scenes, in terms of their leadership, that they inserted themselves and tried to do what they could to alleviate the concerns that Draymond Green may bring. But he is a strong personality, and it's a lot to dwarf. It's It's a lot to dwarf. It's a lot to overcome. I get all of that, but here's the problem. Would we have used that excuse if it were LeBron James? If it were LeBron James that was a teammate of Draymond Green, would we not have said, yo, man, where's the leadership? Yo, man, what you going to do? Yo, man, come on, man, you got to rein him in. Is that not what we would have done? And if that's not what, and if that is exactly what we would have done, and I know we would have, how come we can't hold Steph Curry to the same standard, the babyface assassin, who's a four-time champion and a two-time league MVP, and now an NBA Finals MVP, the greatest shooter God has ever created, destined, sure first ballot, unanimous pick for the Hall of Fame. That's Steph Curry, who, by the way, can pass gas, if not flat-out shit in front of your face, and the Golden State Warriors and everybody who loves basketball will call it perfume. That's how untouchable steph curry is you can't say something you can't do something publicly not just privately you can't rein him in to some degree he's a grown man he's not a boy nobody's implying that about draymond i'm saying it on a different level the love and the respect that he has for steph curry what about steph curry looking him in the face you have any idea how much i need you you have any idea that every time you're not on the court, it leaves me out there by myself? Handling this nonsense. You realize how difficult this is for me, bro? Could you, could you look out for me? Everybody can't have MJ, Kobe, LeBron's personality. We get that. But who says it's required? You find different ways to communicate with people. Some people need tough love. Some people need a, a hug. Some people need an arm wrapped around them. Some these people need a stern talking to. Some people, you got to get the wife and the family involved. You got to use every maneuver available under the sun. I'll tell you something right now with me. I'm a strong personality, but I'm open-minded and I listen. But when all else fails, you know what people usually do when it comes to me? They call my sister Carmen or my cousin Derek Because they know those two are going to get in my ear and affect me in a way most people can't. We all have a soft spot for those other people. If you Steph Curry, you trying to tell me LeBron, the modern basketball version of Gandhi with stuff like this? You trying to tell me that LeBron, Steph Curry couldn't have picked up the phone call called LeBron, even though he's a member for the Lakers? Yo, man, King, I know we competitors and all of that stuff, but we both got love for Draymond. Can you talk to him? Rich Paul's his agent. Where you at? And I'm not saying Rich Paul's not there. It's a facetious question. Or rhetorical, actually. I'm simply saying that if you're Rich Paul, you got access to LeBron too. There are a myriad of ways to get to Draymond. Especially when it's off-court issues that in all likelihood are affecting his level of thinking. But apparently it hasn't worked. And now, getting back to my original point, his career's in trouble. Because, Draymond Green better thank his heavenly stars. Commissioner David Stern is no longer the commissioner and he's not alive. God rest his soul. Because if David Stern was the commissioner, Draymond Green wouldn't have been in a position to get suspended for the slap to to Nurkic. He would have been out for weeks because of the chokehold on Rudy Gobert. Stern would have seen to it. Y'all know I ain't lying. And so now we're here. And you're the Golden State Warriors. Look, everybody knows it's no secret how much I, how well I know Joe Lacob, the owner for the Golden State Warriors, and Peter Guber knows because I know these guys. I can assure you, Joe Lacob's had enough. He's had enough. I'm telling you right now. It's at least a 50% possibility that Draymond Green will be gone from the Golden State Warriors after this season. It's at least a 50% possibility. I'm not ruling anything out. All that money that man's spending, highest payroll in the league, luxury tax dollars, what he was hoping to recoup with an elevated level of success for the team, playing more games, having a longer life in the postseason, And here's the thing. Here's the thing where the Golden State Warriors collectively have no excuse. And that especially Steve Kerr. Steph Curry is not some fading superstar. He's still Steph Curry. He's still the greatest shooter God has ever created. He's still a perennial all-star, a superstar in this league, playing like it. And Klay Thompson shooting a career low 34.3% from three-point range. He going on the court against Devin Book and getting his ass kicked. Love Klay Thompson. Believe in Klay Thompson. Mad love and respect. Hall of Fame, a four-time champion. Looking for a new contract, and this is how you're playing? So you got Klay not playing up the snuff. You got Andrew Wiggins looking damn near comatose. I don't know what the hell is wrong with him. And then you got... Draymond Green getting suspended. This is not good. When you look at the Golden State Warriors roster compared to the rest of the team, if Draymond's not getting suspended and Andrew Wiggins shows a pulse and Klay Thompson plays the way he's supposed to play, are you trying to tell me the Golden State Warriors are an average team with Kaminga and this kid Podzimski Boz- and, and, and 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 Moody and all of these brothers flourishing with CP three in tow as well? Hell no. There's an abundance of people on the go to say Warriors ain't doing their damn job. Here's all I can tell you. I'm a native New Yorker and a diehard New York Yankees fan. My favorite owner of all time was George Steinbrenner, who would sit up there and ban you from the team for having facial hair. That's not an exaggeration, by the way. Didn't have names on the back of their jerseys. Didn't have facial you hair. You playing for George Steinbrenner? Those were his rules. And now here we are, and we're in this situation with the Golden State Warriors, and I bring him up because Joe Lacob, the owner for the Golden State Warriors, is the greatest reminder to George Steinbrenner that I've ever seen. I've sat next to this man. I've talked with this man. It's rare in the day that I've ever seen an owner more passionate about his product than Joe Lacob. He's not gonna stand idly by for this. First order of business for Draymond Green to get back to work. Second order of business is for him to alleviate Joe Lacob's feelings of being betrayed because you promised him you weren't gonna act up and then you did. They know it's not intentional. They know Draymond's heart's in the right place. They know he's committed to winning. They know he cares. And they know to some degree he appears to be out of control. But nevertheless, Joe Lacob has a business to run. And he's going to do whatever it takes to make sure he looks out for his business interest first. Draymond Green's career in Golden State is in a world of trouble. I'm telling you what I know. I didn't say it was told to me because it wasn't. I'm just telling you, I know these people. He's in a world of trouble. And that's assuming he gets back in time to make amends. We ain't even take him consider the latter. 888 SAS 5303. That's 888 727 5303. You're listening live to the Stephen A. Smith Show right here over the digital airwaves of YouTube. Listen, the whole Giannis and the story that uh, took place in Milwaukee last night, to me, Uh, is a silly story, Uh, but it was made silly by the Indiana Pacers. Um, Giannis dropped 64 points last night, career high. Absolutely positively dominant against the Indiana Pacers. Ended up beating them. And after the game, essentially, he's looking for the game ball. The Pacers took it. Now, It's moments like this that I want y'all to understand because you see, when we walk around as media members believing that half the time these people are full of shit. Here's our proof. The Indiana Pacers in the aftermath of this were asked about the the game ball. And according to Rick Carlisle, a friend of mine, somebody I've known for 25 years, a fracas broke out. When asked to elaborate on it, Carlisle's story was that the Pacers did take the game ball at the, the, at the buzzer, but it wasn't because the team was trying to steal it from Giannis. It was because they wanted it for their rookie, Oscar Thuisby. I, I keep forgetting how to pronounce his name. T-S-H-I-E-B-W-E. I'm sorry, I don't have to correct the pronunciation for his name. But he's a rookie, and he scored the first NBA points of his career. Giannis didn't even want the ball for himself, according to the reports. He wanted the ball to give to Damian Lillard, who had moved in the fifth on an all-time career three-point scoring list. He didn't even want it for himself. And if he says he didn't, I believe him because Giannis don't really give two cents about what people think. He'll tell you what he feels. I know that just by interviewing him last week. And I'm telling you right now, this is what the deal is. You're the Indiana Pacers. That might be the stupidest lie I've ever heard in the history of basketball. So a guy, so you lost the game and in a loss, you want to take the game ball to give it to a rookie who scored the first points of his NBA career. First of all, as somebody that covered the NBA for 30 years, I've never heard of a rookie being given the game ball for scoring their first basket. B, I've never heard of them doing that for a rookie after a loss. So, what's there to celebrate? So the rookie scored two points. He scored his first basket of his NBA career, and you want to give him the game ball, even though you lost, who wants the game ball after a loss? Now, if you're the know, all time leading scorer like LeBron, that's different. Or Kareem years ago, that's different. Or Kobe's 81-point game, that's different. Something like that. Who wants it in a loss? Who wants it because you scored a basket? What team do you know is thinking about a rookie scoring their first basket when they lost a regular season game? That is just such a flat-out lie. See, it's stuff like that that makes people look at you and go like this, I ain't believe in shit they say ever again because they don't mind lying. Because that's just so flagrantly false and untrue. Come on now. Rick Carlisle, Indiana Pacers, y'all can do better than that. Stop that. There's nothing truthful about that. The game ball for a rookie who scored his first basket when y'all just had 64 dropped on y'all in a loss and you had been tussling with the Milwaukee Bucks throughout the game. Stop. Just stop it. Moving on to another story that I wanted to touch on. And this is going to be interesting because... It's necessary to touch on this particular story because uh, I'm transitioning to the NFL here. It involves Travis Kelsey. Ladies and gentlemen, Travis Kelsey is a two-time Super Bowl champion. Universally recognized as one of the greatest tight ends in the history of the sport. I often call him my brother from another mother because to be quite honest, he's one of the coolest white boys I've ever met in my life. Got mad love for him and his choices. His choices. And I ain't talking about Taylor Swift. Y'all know, look at his history. One more time. His decision making is impeccable. Having said all of that, Travis Kelsey made some news because he was on his New Heights podcast. Courtesy of Wave Entertainment, who do a great, great job with their podcast, by the way. Congratulations to them. Continue to do the work that they've been doing. Um, Travis Kelsey was talking with his brother, and he was pretty uh, pissed off because folks have been talking about his receivers. As you know, the Kansas City Chiefs are 8-5. They're in uh, first place in the AFC West, but they've lost a couple of games, four of their last six to be exact, primarily because they got receivers that can't catch the damn football. And Travis Kelsey, rather than holding them accountable and, uh, and talking about them, decides that he wants to get at the haters for his receivers. Listen to Travis Kelsey on his new Heights podcast talking to his brother about some of the heat that his receivers are receiving. Listen up.
1: There's a lot of media pointing fingers at uh some of the skill players that we have i say fuck that and excuse my language uh we usually cuss in lighthearted ways but this is uh i felt like uh, you guys had to feel that whoever's talking shit on uh on the the skill players and uh in our offense right now man it's um this is a group effort and when you turn the film on what's real is that we got guys that can play this game
0: yeah i gotta give him credit he's not lying from this standpoint he says there's a lot of media pointing fingers at some of the skill players we have. I say, fuck that. And like he says, he usually curses affectionately, as do I, but in this particular case, he wasn't being affectionate at all. Um, My hand is raised. I'm one of those media members. Travis Kelsey, you need to stop. Respectfully, bro, stop that shit. Your receivers have dropped 33 passes this year. 33! 33, dog! 33! OK. And all of COVID vaccine commercials with that smile on your face, go hide that. Hell, rather than getting the vaccine shot, they need to get some Velcro or something attached to their damn hand so they'll catch the damn football. Come on, bro. It ain't like it's Stephen A out there throwing a first pitch and trying to catch a damn touchdown. Pass. These are professionals. I mean, come on. Y'all are the reigning defending Super Bowl champions. There's no Tyreek Hill there just like there wasn't one last year. The only thing y'all missing is Juju Smith-Schuster. What's the problem? He the only one gone. You got receivers dropping passes, dropping first down passes on third downs, failing to convert third downs. You got them dropping touchdown passes, and then you got cats lining off offside. And my man Dan Orlovsky on ESPN with his crazy self, he thinks a way to uh, assuage the concerns and to, and to uh, you know, just to get let Kadarius Tony off the hook is pointing out how he done done it about five or six times during the game. Well, damn, if I rob a store five times and I don't get caught, when I rob it the sixth time and I finally get caught, do I get to tell an officer, yo, what's the problem? I've been doing it. Is that what you do? When you get a speeding ticket and you've been speeding and speeding and speeding every day, going do Route 95, I-95 in New Jersey, or the 10 or the 405 in L.A., and finally, the cop decide to pull you over. You're going to look at the police officer and go like this, yo, man, what's your problem? I've been doing it every day. Why are you dropping me now? That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Kadarius Tony is struggling. now. Now, Travis Kelsey, my brother, from another mother. You know I love you, bro. But we got to be real here. Uh, Let me throw some numbers at you. Of the 83 wide receivers with at least 25 receptions this season, Kadarius Toney ranks dead last with 6.6 yards per catch. That 4-3 speed. Where you at? Can't catch? Kadarius Toney in second halves this season. There's been 13 games. Look at me, fellas. It's 13 games this season. 13 games. 13. 13. Kadarius Toney in the second half this season, when Mahomes has needed his wide receivers most, a total of seven catches for nine yards. Seven catches for nine yards, Travis. You know I'm not making this up. You know I bring receipts. Okay? 28 wide receivers are averaging more yards after the catch than Tony. 28! With Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. With you drawing attention to you, because we all know you're who Patrick Mahomes wants to throw the ball to most of the time. Kadarius Tony, 28 receivers are doing a better job than him. He also has 11 carries for 31 yards this year. Averaged almost nine yards per carry over the first two seasons of his career. Now he's averaging 2.8 yards. That's a drop-off. You need some more info, Travis Kelsey? How about this one? Y'all have trailed by double digits over the last three games. This kid Rasheed Rice has emerged as Mahomes' number one target. We know what you bring to the table, but him and MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantlin, are dropping passes. That ain't the media. That shit, that's them. Now, I'm not saying that you don't support your teammates. I'm not saying that you go out there and publicly throw them under the bus, but you can't find some some other target. That ain't right. We didn't do that. Y'all dropping passes, bro. Y'all catch passes. You can defend your crown. You drop passes. You're not going to. And you're sitting up there talking about. I got all the faith in the world. Everybody hating on KT right now. I'm not trying to hear that. You can effing miss me with it. I'm trusting the 19 every time he's out there on the field. Really, really, really you sure. You sure about that? And why is Rasheed Rice the number one target now? We know you ain't never fall behind if you not if he ain't the number one target, you gonna be the number one target. How come it ain't Kadarius Tony? This is a first round pick that the New York Giants gave up for a bag of chips, aka a third round pick. That's what happened. It's not an accident. Get that brother out there. Put some some stick them on his hands or something. Do something. You understand what I'm saying? Get a brother of Snickers. Get a brother of Snickers. You understand what I'm saying? You now you eat the Snicker and it just change your whole personality. Do something. You got enough endorsement deals, give him one of them. Bribe his ass if you have to. Offer to give him another. Do something. But blame the media. Our job is to chronicle and report what we see. It ain't our job to get personal, it ain't our job to sit up there talking about your personal business. That's true. But what we see on the football field, what you do in front of 70, 80,000 folks a week with millions of people watching on TV, it's not beyond the pale for people to point out. Y'all ain't getting it done. 33 drops this season. League leaders in the NFL, the reigning defending Super Bowl champions, got a plethora of receivers that can't catch the damn football. Now, I know you're going to say, I dropped some, two, I dropped some, two, Steve. I dropped some, two. Well, damn it, you Travis Kelsey, You already got two rings. You're already showing that you're one of the greatest ever. And any time we see a mistake by you, we know that's an aberration. What we're seeing from the mistakes your receivers made is rife with normalcy. Focus on that, bro. Focus on that. And it, it ain't. S-A-S-5303, that's 888-727-5303. You're listening live for the Stephen A. Smith Show right here over the digital airways of YouTube. Up next, more chaos, but in a good way. His name is Colby Covington. He's challenging Leon Edwards for the Walter Waite Championship of the World of UFC. This weekend, T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. I can't wait, I'm sure you can't either. Clearly, he can't wait. Wait till you hear my earlier interview with him and what he had to say. You don't want to miss this. His brother's wild, but he doesn't just talk. He backs it up. Let's hear what he has to say. That's up next with yours truly. Back with more in a minute. My guest today is a former welterweight UFC champion who has an MMA record of 17 wins with only three losses. Four of those wins have come by knockout; another four came by submission, by the way. And he'll try to add to that total when he meets the one and only Leon Edwards on December 16th for the welterweight title at UFC 96. Please welcome the one and only Colby Chaos Covington. What's going on, Big Tom? How are you,
1: man? How's everything? Hey, what's going on, Big Dog? Happy to be here. It's a real honor. Normally, when they stick me with the media of of MMA, I'm stuck in a room full of Comic-Con nerds. But, you know, now I got a real journalist, the legend of Stephen A. Smith. So it's an honor to be here, my brother. Man,
0: first of all, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for those kind words. And obviously, you deserve all the praise that you're getting. You're getting ready to go up against Leon Edwards. Talk to me about this matchup, why you want the matchup so badly. Obviously, you want a belt. There's no question about it. But talk to me about this particular matchup and why you're looking so much forward to it.
1: Yeah, I'm looking so much forward to it because I want to teach him a lesson about 1776. I know he didn't graduate grade school, and he's illiterate, so he wouldn't know anything about that. But Saturday night, I'm going to take him to school, and I'm going to teach him a lesson about that. And that lesson is you don't fuck with America.
0: Wow. And why did you say that? Has he said something about America that has agitated you or something? Is there something that I'm missing? Did he insult America, and I, didn't, and I missed that? What happened?
1: Uh, I mean, he, he's too dumb to... To say anything about America. He, he knows no history or knowledge of it, but you know, it's pretty funny. I'm the A-side in this fight. No one even cares about him. Even his own people at UK could care less about him. How surprised are you?
0: What about people who will sit up there and say, he knocked out, he caught Usman with a kick in the fifth round, and then in a rematch, he beat him by decision. You're a guy that fought and lost to Usman twice. So what do you say to people who will bring that up to say, you got no business saying that about him because he beat a man you didn't beat?
1: Stephen A., you know I'm the people's champ. I'm America's champ. I'm Donald Trump's favorite fighter. And I'm the king of Miami. And, you know, I, I heard you spent some time in my kingdom. And, you know, I know all the ladies at South Beach love Stephen A. And they love Colby. They don't love Zion Williamson. They don't love <laughs> Zach Prescott. Love- and as the king of Miami, I'd <laughs> like to bestow a title upon you, Stephen A. I'd like to, I'd like to just bestow the title of the, the Baron of South Beach. Because you got exquisite taste.
0: Well, I got to tell you, they did give me the key to the city. They did make me the mayor of South Beach. But then the problem was the Miami Heat lost in the damn finals right after they gave me the key to the city. So that's a different subject (laughs) for another day. But Kobe, let me get into you a little bit because one of the things that I got so much respect about when it comes to you, you talk a lot of trash, but you back it up, but more importantly than that, you take the sport seriously. And I love when you try to call cats out from the standpoint when you think there's any question about their conditioning, their dedication to the craft, you're really really quick to point that out talk to us about that i know you don't mind being a villain but you seem to like being a villain it clearly has worked for you speak on that for a second
1: yeah you know i got i'm a vessel driven by the grace of god and the american dream i do things the right way stephen a i don't cut corners i'm disciplined i'm a hard worker i don't eat the table like zion williamson i'm not a fat slob
0: Wow. So it's just that simple. And I'm just and I'm wondering, do you feel like for the most part, some of your opponents? I certainly you didn't say that about Uzman because we know he took care of himself physically or whatever. But I remember against Masvidal, that was something that you were bringing up and you were talking about how you were going to beat him. And one of the biggest things you brought up was your conditioning compared to his. Is that something that you
1: think gives you an,
0: a decisive advantage over the competition most of the time?
1: It does, Stephen A. You know, I've been labeled the the king of cardio, you know, the bedroom cardio master. But, you know, I talk the talk and I walk the walk. You know, I, I put in the extra hours that people aren't willing to do. Everybody cuts corners in this. They want the easy, easy route. I've taken the long road to get here. And it doesn't matter what's happened in my past. All that matters is what happens in my future. And Colby Covington wants that undisputed title. So Saturday night, Colby Covington is going to get that undisputed title. Did
0: you just call yourself the bedroom cardio master? Is that what you just said?
1: Did I hear that correctly? Hey, you know, I got eyes and ears everywhere. So, you know... Some of the ladies in South Beach, yes, they were telling me that. Well, I got to ask you this since you
0: brought it up. I mean, most people, I mean, in covering pugilistic sports like the UFC and primarily boxing before that, most people believe that, you know, being that dude or being somebody that that frequents the bedroom with, 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 with somebody that might take your legs, that might compromise your legs. Are you saying that that does not happen to you, sir?
1: Yeah, I would say that doesn't happen. I I think that's a lie. That's a myth. But, you know, it's it's all mental. So uh, if you believe that it does take your knees away, then, yeah, it probably takes your knees away. But I feel like I'm one of the most mentally strong people on planet Earth.
0: So is it about mental, or do you take your vitamins and supplements and you eat right? And that is what gets it done for you, Kobe. I mean, tell us the secret, my brother. Tell us the secret.
1: I mix them all together, legend (laughs) Stephen A. You know, it's all about some vitamins and supplements. I eat healthy, organic. But I also put, you know, many, many rounds in the bedroom with my mama's seat as the South Beach. You know, I got to be oh, well prepared Lord. for these title fights. These are five-round, 25-minute exhausting fights. So I make sure to take out my anger in the bedroom.
0: When you... I'm going to get back to... I'm going to get back to what's going on in the octagon here. If you were to become the champion this weekend, what do you believe it would do for the sport of the UFC, particularly at this moment in time?
1: I think it would transform send the sport to a level that it's never been before, you know? This guy, Leon, you know, he's unlikable. He has no redeeming qualities. He doesn't do anything good, and and he doesn't bring any extra eyes to the sport. So, you know, I love to get the attention, and I love the hate. You know, it fuels me. It fuels me to go be great. So... I think that I'm going to take the UFC, I'm going to put it on my back, and it's going to be a jetpack, and we're going to the moon, baby.
0: Do you feel that the UFC needs that, though, at this particular moment in time? I'm looking at the sport. Engano is gone. He's departed from the sport. John Bones Jones is injured. Conor McGregor has not been around, and even when he was around, he wasn't winning since his boxing match against Floyd Money Mayweather about seven, eight years ago. So I'm looking at it from, a, from this standpoint. Colby Covington. Chaos himself
1: may be more needed than ever before. Do you feel that way? I do feel that way, Stephen A. Eh? Just like you're the man that brought Dallas to its knees, I'm the man that brings the world to its knees. I can bring the snowflake Armageddon. I can get all the haters a- a, you know crying and pissed off around the world and the people that love me rejoice me-, me as the king of the chaos and the king of Miami. So I do believe that I'm going to take over the UFC. I'm going to be the-, the face of the UFC after this Saturday night. Do you, when
0: you think about how hated some people are toward, or hateful some people are towards you, is it something you accept or is it something you love?
1: It's something that I accept and I thrive in. The hate, you know, is what fuels me in training. It's what gets me up early in the morning. I know all these other professional athletes that you deal with, Stephen A, they're lazy, they're undisciplined, they get these paychecks and they have no work ethic anymore. Not me, man. I have plenty of money, but it's not about the money. It's about the glory, Stephen A. So no matter how much money I make or how much success I get, I'm going to keep coming back a better version of myself because I love to work hard.
0: What's going to happen this weekend against Leon Edwards? Explain to me that. You're going to win by decision, submission, knockout? What are you calling for?
1: I'm going to cook him, Stephen A. I'm going to bring out the dog in me. I'm going to bring out the quitter in Leon Scott.
0: Mm. And what makes you think he's going to quit? What is it about him that makes you see quit?
1: I've just seen in some of his prior fights, he's went to that place where he wants to quit, but no fighter's been able to really exit that door and make him quit. You know, his his coach was yelling, oh, yo, come on, Leah, wake up, wake up. And he got that Hail Mary Luke, Luke uh, mm-hmm. knockout over uh, Fake Newsman. But it's not going to be like that in this fight. I'm going to put the pressure on him. I'm going to cook him and i'm bringing that belt back to american soil
0: when connor mcgregor was a champion he was a knockout artist and i think that played a significant role in his popularity in america at the very least because we love the knockout we love the knockout more than the submissions that's just the reality you you don't have a lot of knockouts on your record you got a lot of wins you can beat anybody but you don't have a lot of knockouts do you feel that as your game your fight game has evolved that that's something that you need to elevate in the mind's eye of your fellow American citizens, that you need to put some people to sleep, you need to knock them out in order to elevate your level of popularity?
1: No, I don't think so, Stephen. I break people's wills, and what I do is is much more specialist than what these other guys do, because when these guys knock these guys out, you could say, oh, it was a fluke, it was a lucky knockout. What would have happened if the fight kept going? You can never say that about any of my fights. I've dominated from second one to minute 25, and I've given these guys I've taken their soul in a different way. I've completely broken them into into little shells of of men that they are.
0: You're also patriotic, so you think about being a champion. You think about representing the United States of America. Our political beliefs don't necessarily vibe from time to time, Kobe, but it don't it doesn't it doesn't diminish my love and respect for you. I would ask you this: You win the championship. What is that going to mean to you as an American citizen? Considering fighters from all over the world are a part of the UFC.
1: It's going to mean everything. You know, my platform is about getting love to our troops, our military, law enforcement. It's about giving, you know, uh, a recognition to people that get looked over every day. But they're out there fighting on the battle lines to protect our freedom. So, you know, I'm bringing this belt back home to America. God bless America. God bless the Trumps. And I'm going to get this done on Saturday night. I don't care what I have to do. It will happen, Stephen. And I'm going to come back to the goat of, of media reporting, and we're going to have a little sit down. Post-fight celebration.
0: Consider it done. I'd be honored to have you, and I'm rooting for you, my man. Good luck this Saturday night against Leon Edwards. Handle your business. I know this much about you: you'll be in shape. You ain't gonna be tired. That much I know about you. That much I know.
1: That's right, my brother. I'm coming. I'm coming. Fuck in the best shape of my life. I've had some time off to really focus on what I want in my life and what I want in my life is that undisputed title, and I'm gonna do anything it takes. I'm willing to die this Saturday night to make it happen.
0: Mm. The one and only Colby Chaos Covington right here on the Stephen A. Smith Show. Appreciate you, my man. Good luck. I'll see you after the fight.
1: Appreciate you, brother. Have a great day.
0: All right, you do the same. Welcome back to Stephen A. Smith Show right here with the Digital Airways with YouTube. Thanks again to the one and only Mr. Chaos himself, Colby Covington. Got a big-time fight against Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards is no joke. His brother's something special. Uh, so the one thing that I'll give Colby Covington is that I've never seen him in the octagon where somebody looked better conditioned than him. You might have had somebody like Usman and others that look more ripped, stronger, uh, and better uh, better physique, per se. But when it comes to Kobe Covington, you know, I mean, hey, cardiac king, car, you know, cardio king, rather, you know. I ain't going to get into all the other stuff he said. He's a wild brother. There ain't no doubt about that. But anyway, this guy, oh, Lord. Des Bryant, former member of the Dallas Cowboys, tweets me or tweets about me, rather, at Dez Bryant. He wants some pub. Let's give him some pub. He writes, I really want to get in a boxing ring with Stephen A. Smith and Stu Presidente. I don't know who Stu Presidente is. He says, folks like them talk the way they do because they know they can't get touched but I wish they would agree to get in the ring with me so I can unleash my frustration against them. I can beat the shit out of them without going to jail. I need that blessing. <sighs> Des <clears throat> I'm sad that you sent that tweet, my brother. For the record, to the audience out there, I've never had a problem with Dez Bryant, not one time. I love the ex. I used to troll them when they were Cowboy fans, but I never had an issue with Dez. On a rare occasion, I've run into Dez, always been respectful, always been cool. I can't believe I'm looking at a text like this. That's number one. Number two, beating the shit out of somebody without going to jail is a blessing. Really, bro? What's going on in your life that you would send a text like that? I'm sorry, a tweet like that. What's going on in your life that you would be that hateful? Dez Bryant has had a lot of problems in his life. Some would argue some are self-inflicted, some undoubtedly not. When the media was covering the Dallas Cowboys. Forcing him to go on tirades in the locker room while it's being filmed and everybody's watching. That was not Stephen A. Smith. When he reportedly got into some altercation that involved potential legal action involving his own mom, that was Stephen A. Smith. When he sued a senator, that wasn't Stephen A. Smith. When Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys decided to let him go, Stephen A. didn't support that. And anything that I did was all in fun, just trolling Cowboys. That's all. You no, know, it's like it's like you know, you got a fan base and you got folks that you know, hate the opposing team, but it's all in fun. That's why I get along with Jerry Jones, because he knows it's all in fun. I don't mean, we don't mean anything about it. Dallas Cowboys win the Super Bowl, so I ain't going to lose no sleep over his cool. Why would you send a tweet like that? And what is this guy, Stu, Stu Presidente? He's a state, what is it? Go ahead, Michaels, let the, what is it, man? Dave Portnoy. Dave Portnoy. Oh, okay. See, I didn't know that. You know, And you're going to pay me to that, brother? I mean, I don't know him. I'm I'm cordial to him when I see him. What's your problem, Des? The only issue that I thought that I ever had with Des Bryant involved me coming to the defense of Malika Andrews because she's a journalist. And the position that she's in, I know the tenets that come along with the profession in terms of what you have to report and what you have to ask when you're interviewing somebody. I've never had any kind of issue with Des Bryant whatsoever. I don't have an issue with him now. So I'm really sad that you would send out this. You know, it's like, what's up with you? What's going on with your life that your definition of a blessing is beating somebody up? You say we're talking shit, all right? You know, folks like them talk the way they do because they know they can't get touched. No, bro. I talk the way that I talk because I get paid to do it. You just did this shit for free. Who paid you to do this? Any tweet that I send out, any take that I say on first take, or even on this podcast, there's monetary compensation that comes along with my takes. Where's yours? If they paid you, if they gave you a show right now, right now, Des Bryant, if they gave you a show, And they said, you could come on ESPN. You could come on YouTube. You could come on Fox. You could come anywhere. And we're going to give you seven figures to give your honest assessment and take on what you're seeing in the world of sports. What would you do? Whisper? Would you put on a muzzle and shut up? Or would you do your job? See, this is the bullshit. This is the kind of stuff that people don't tell y'all. I'm not home. Sitting there being bothered by nothing. And then decide to insert and inflect my thoughts and opinions on stuff. I get paid to do it. And in case you wanna sit up there and say, talk shit. Okay, is being a professional journalist talking shit? Is working for the New York Daily News and then the Philadelphia Inquirer and CNN, and Fox Sports, and ESPN. Is that talking shit? Is being a newspaper journalist one of the best in the business, by the way? Go do your homework. Is being a columnist one of the best in the business, by the way? Do your homework. If ultimately graduating to being a radio host, and then ultimately a television commentator, one of the best ever, by the way, from what I'm told. That's talking shit now? What if folks out there looked at Dez Bryant, you Dez Bryant, and they said, yo, man, all you do is catch footballs. The fact is, you could do what most people couldn't do. You were damn good. I miss you. I wish your career had been longer. And by the way, I was kind of interested in you coming on ESPN and giving football analysis. And then I read this. Why? 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 If you see stuff taking place on a football field, taking place on a basketball court, in a world of sports, what's the problem? If you're sitting up there and you're talking about stuff that's in the news that everybody else is talking about and you're giving your take based on the facts that have been disseminated to the public, what's the problem? This tweet is a tweet is the kind of tweet that that brother Des Bryant would have done a decade ago. You ain't grown? You haven't grown, bro? You haven't evolved? Is that what you're telling me? You're going to go as a grown-ass man and going to tweet about wanting to whip somebody's ass, who, by the way, is about 40 to 50 pounds lighter than you. You Will Smith now? That's what we're doing. Why is it that none of y'all ever talk about? Why don't you talk about wanting to slap the living shit out of somebody the size of Demarcus Lawrence? Or Chris Jones? Or Cameron Hayward? Why don't y'all ever talk about slapping somebody like that? Why is it always somebody smaller? Somebody that ain't in your profession. Hell, Des Brian could whip Stephen A's ass. I know plenty of people that could whip your ass. I would never encourage it. I want you to succeed. I hope you got a podcast. Don't know whether you do or not. Hope you got one. Hope you got the platform. Hell, my producer's right here. Was I not gonna invite Des Bryant on the show in a few weeks? Yes. Yes, you were. I absolutely was because I wanna see you succeed. And what I get minding my business, doing my job, that I get paid to do, well, I might add, is I see a tweet from you wishing I was Nate Robinson. Come on, bro. At the end of the day, It's time for you to man up. It's time for you to accept the fact that nobody would have been talking about you if you were not a star football player. If you were some scrub like myself or very of millions upon millions of others throughout our lives that wasn't good enough, you wouldn't have been in that spotlight and you wouldn't have been there to be talked about. But back in the day, you were talked about because you were that dude. Who ultimately starred for the Dallas Cowboys. And clearly you still holding on to bitterness. All the clips of you back in the day going at the media. That's how you sound now. Well, who's been thinking about Des Bryant now? Is that why you put this tweet out? Because nobody was talking about you. I'm just asking. Come on, bro. You were a damn good football player. You got screwed over. In my opinion. By the Cowboys. Without question by somebody, some folks in the media. You got in a bad rap. And you're a much better person than you were given credit for. But this tweet don't represent that. This tweet expresses and reveals something far different and far less than what you are. You better than that, bro. No, I'm not stepping into the boxing ring and somebody's not going to step in the ring to kick my ass because I ain't going to be in the ring for nobody to kick my ass. I don't have to be. I'm a grown-ass man with a career. I don't have to do that. But if I did, I can assure you it wouldn't go down like you think no matter what some bullshit video with me with two torn rotator cuffs from five years ago would show. I got mad love and respect for you, my brother. This was unnecessary. It was uncalled for. And it's beneath you. You better than that. You really, really are. So do better. Let's move on before I get on out of here with some of your tweets that you sent um again i'm I'm doing this now uh you know i gotta be i'll be traveling tomorrow so i'll probably do a special edition saturday if at all possible um to make sure i get in some shows because i love doing my shows but for right now let's get let's get it on with this let's get on with some of these tweets at larson 2021 champ tweets should steph curry request a trade really can you, you think that Joe Laker would ever let Steph Curry go to another team? Do you think the Golden State Warrior fans, they'd burn down the Chase Center if you if you let go of, of Steph Curry. The Bay Area might as well be napalmed. You, are you are you're insane? It's a very ignorant question. But do you, and then again, you did ask, should he ask, should he request to be traded? No, you're four-time champion. Went to six NBA Finals. Stick it through. Bad times? overcome and by the way you know when you got your fourth championship y'all were left for dead and people didn't think y'all were going to be able to get it done and sure enough you came back and you resurrected the franchise in another season and boom there you have it they got the personnel there's no reason he should ask for a trade um, at Casablanca's Dem D-E-M right Stephen A I have a crush on my close friend's sister I get the feeling she does too but I don't know how my friend will feel about me dating his sister what should I do Oh, damn. So you got a crush on her. That means in your eyes, she fine. She got a crush on you. That means in all likelihood, you can get with that. First, let me tell you what you don't do. You don't do it behind your friend's back. You ever saw Bad Boys 2 with Will Smith and Mar Lawrence? Remember when Will Smith was messing with Gabrielle Union? All right, now Gabrielle Union Wade is in the wife of D-Wade. Former NBA champion with the Miami Miami Heat, now NBA Hall of Famer. Remember that? Remember when they were on the boat or they in the dock area and they were spying to see when the drugs were being funneled in? And she said, just tell them about New York. And Will Smith was like hesitant to tell Martin and they finally admitted it and more like i had to find out like that right that's not good because you see your friend may know things about you that his sister does not and so if you really really want to up and up you're going to let him know if you sleazy you won't now i will tell you this if you sleazy and you do it behind his back and he finds out he should kick your ass and then not talk to you if not forever for a very long time because you can't be trusted you got to make sure you can be trusted so if you really that confident she's feeling you and you feeling her there's nothing wrong with you telling him now if he has a problem with it then that's a different animal altogether. because if you want to up and up you you know it depends on how close your friendship is what means more to you an opportunity with her or the friendship you have with him. You got to make that call. I can't make that call. Nobody else can make that call. But I think universally, what most men would tell you is, you got to man up and let him know. Don't do not, don't do do not anything behind his back. If you're interested in his sister, and you know his sister is interested in you, first thing first off, God, I can't believe I forgot to tell you this. You got to make sure she really is. You can't be guessing. You can't be going through some shit and then to ask her out for a date. She don't want you. Because you misconstrued what the vibe was, then you the fool. Not only did you dime yourself out, okay, but you got rejected all at the same time. That's not smart. What you want to do is ask her, how real is this? And if she gives you an indication, oh yeah, I'm interested, then you need to go tell him. That's what you need to do. That's my advice. Um at Dr. Duran. Duran D-U-H-R-E-N. What is realistically the lowest amount of money you would take to become a Cowboys fan? Zero. It's not about the Cowboys. I respect the hell out of the Cowboys. I love Micah Parsons. I love Trayvon Diggs. This kid, Deron Bland, is no joke. Demarcus Lawrence is you know, pretty cool, to be honest with you. I like him. He's a rough ride. I like him. I mean, don't tell him that. He don't need to know that, but that's true, Okay. And I grew up loving Troy Aikman and, and, and Michael Irvin and Emmitt Smith and, and, and primetime Deion Sanders and Nate Newton and those brothers, no doubt. I remember the days of Ed Tuttle Jones and all of these cats, no doubt. Tony Dorsett, Roger Starbuck, all of them. It's the Cowboy fans that get on my last nerve. Y'all are some disgusting, nauseating, pain-in-the-ass fans I've ever met in my life no matter what y'all could pass gas shit on yourselves and you'll still say it's perfume y'all get on my nerves and I love seeing y'all lose that is where my my, where my angst rises I mean if I think about the Dallas Cowboys winning the Super Bowl I'd be happy for Jerry Jones I really would I'd be happy for Dak Prescott I definitely would be happy for my boy Micah Parsons. as a matter of fact The number one reason I don't, I shouldn't say the number one reason, but one of the biggest reasons I don't want the Cowboys to win this year because I want my man Trayvon Diggs healthy when they do it. I don't want him on the sidelines. I want him in uniform on the field because I love him and I love his game. And I want him to be on the field with Michael Parsons whenever they do win a Super Bowl. Nothing but love for those brothers. Okay? But I got to tell you something. When I think about it, and one of the things that gets on my nerves, the last thing I want to hear how about them Cowboys? I don't mind now. People say it to try to irritate me. I just ignore them because they're full of shit. But gets it, could you imagine if they were legitimate with it? If they had a reason to say it because the Cowboys were Super Bowl champions and I had to hear Dallas Cowboys, how about them Cowboys? It would be a nightmare for me. That's like Neil scratching against the chalkboard. It would drive me nuts. But that's just me. On a scale of one to 10, at Dylan Mel, D- D- Dylan, M-E-H-L, writes, Stephen A., on a scale of one to 10, how freaky do you like your women? What's your definition of freaky? It depends on the person. You know, there are levels and elements of freaky. And I'm just telling you, there's no one definitive definition of freaky. The best way to describe it is a little freaky, it never hurts. So I'd say about the same thing that I said about women before that strong seven. I want you freaky, just not nasty. We don't want nasty. You understand what I'm saying? We don't want the kind of stuff going on where we don't want to kiss you, don't want to touch you. We want to turn out the lights so we don't even want to look at you. We don't want that. Okay, lights dim, nice. Lights off where I can't see anything, different animal altogether. Point that I'm trying to make to you is that it's different levels of freaky. different levels of freaky. Freaky's cool as long as it ain't nasty. Then again, even that has altered definitions because what's nasty to one person might be normal to another. Might be normal to another. You know? And I'll just leave it at that because I don't want to get too graphic. Even though it's you two, I don't want to get too graphic because I know some nasty dudes that have said some things about what they like, and I'm like, "I, I, I would never want them within two miles of any woman I cared about. Sisters, aunts, cousins, daughters, and I don't care who it is. But then there are other things that might be a little freaky, but nothing major. Depends. Depends. I'm going to go with the strong seven as an answer to the question. That's all I got to say. I'm out here in L.A. I'll catch y'all another time until a later date. Peace and love, everybody. Stephen A. Smith signing off.